Hey guys, welcome to episode 14 of the 2B Fit podcast. I am once again joined with another fellow Mac Nutrition University student. I have James Dawson from Manchester. You're going to hear the accent very shortly. Um, thank you for joining us, uh, us uh, James. If you wouldn't mind just giving us a brief introduction to yourself. A uh, brief introduction for myself. Obviously, like as Ian said, I'm James from Manchester, uh, nearly 40 years old. Um, love my training and currently at the moment I'm doing a full-time job, you know, usual nine to five. I work in a call centre at the moment and I'm also studying the Mac Nutrition University. Um, obviously, I want to use the, the, the knowledge and skills gained on this in the future. But yeah, that's a little bit about me. I suppose we'll be able to tell you a lot more along the line somewhere. Brilliant. Thank you for the introduction. So firstly, what's kind of led you to the evidence-based path and Mac Nutrition University, James? I mean... In the early, I am a fully qualified personal trainer and a sports nutritionist. Um, I've always aimed to educate myself, keep myself up to date with majority of the current knowledge, and, and I've always had a passion and interest, anything to do with you know health, being physical, training, being in shape, trying not to get overweight. When I do put on a little bit of weight, getting rid of it, just learning all the skills involved in just generally being an all-round generally healthy person and trying to, um, you know, the longevity kind of trying to want to be around forever, especially as I'm getting a lot older now. But originally, I started training when I was about 18 years old. Um, you know, I, di- I discovered training in a, a slightly, a, a way that I didn't think I'd uh, discovered training. I mean, I went, I took the wrong path when I was a young lad. Um, you know, when I, was, when I was a teenager, I did get locked up. And that is when I started my training. My training started for myself when I went to prison, when I was about 18, um, I was a bit of a bad lad. You know I mean, we've all made mistakes in our lifetimes. Nobody's perfect. But um, yes, I actually started training when I was in prison because there was absolutely nothing else to do. You know, fast forward like 21 years, and I'm still training now, one form or another. I've gone through pretty much every form of training except CrossFit. I've not tried CrossFit yet, but I've done pretty much everything else, half marathons, etc. Well, that's quite interesting that, did would you say training gave you a focus, I suppose. Well, yeah, I mean, put myself currently, I mean, my whole life I've suffered with mental health problems. Um, right since I was, you know, I was diagnosed with mental health issues from like the age of 14 years old. Um, I, you know, I went through, I've actually had drink and drug problems from a young age. Um, I think for me, discovering training, it, it's kind of changed my life because I, I found that, you know, Apart from taking the wrong path and learning things the hard way in life, um, you know, and eventually growing up somewhere down the line, learning lessons, I've I've found that for my mental health, to be honest with you, I'd be lost without training. I would be lost in one form of training or another. I mean, it's I, it became habitual. At one one point in my life, I was a bit obsessed with training, which kind of wasn't great because that interfered with real life. You know, when I say real life, that's everything around your own training, what what matters about matters to you, obviously family and all that. So it's kind of like, it's about finding that balance. But for my, it's always, it's my medicine. Training, physical training, I mean, I like weight training. Obviously, do a bit of running and stuff, uh, bag work and that. But for me, it's worked fantastic for my mental health. It's kept, you know, the, the, the really bad points of it at bay. You know, if I'm feeling a bit low, if I'm able to get to the gym at some point, I mean, I'm not obsessive with it these days. We're talking years ago, but even till this very day, it's still a coping mechanism for myself, for mental health. And it is it's one of the things that's kind of kept me training because it's kept me fairly sane, to be honest. 
it's not perfect coping strategy, but it's something I'm able to fall back on for all these years. And I think that's, you know, that's brilliant. And I think that's probably why we want to do what we do, because we know how much of a positive impact it's had on our life. And we want to kind of share that with others, I guess. Yeah, I mean, but the byproduct of it, obviously, along the line, you know, um, learning the things that I have learned, you know, whether they're they're incorrect or correct, the things that I've learned over the years, um, is the byproduct of that is being able to stay in shape, you know, one type of shape or another. Where you know, I mean, at one like say in in my late teens, I was doing a bit of powerlifting, got a bit of a lower back injury. It was quite serious, in fact. I had a year out of training, and then I started doing bodybuilding type training. So by my mid twenties, I was quite seriously into bodybuilding. When I say seriously, I mean for the listeners that are listening, not in a sense of seriously like you guys that get up on stage and uh, in your underpants and that you know your boots <laughs> and that. None of that sort of stuff. What I mean, serious to me, what I considered quite serious. I was like into. I was like in my mid twenties. I wanted to be a big guy. You know what I mean? It's a sort of macho, macho sort of image. But I kind of. Um, Went through a serious stage with that in my mid-twenties. I actually doubled in steroids for a short period of time, you know, because that was like the, the the mindset I was in then. Um, did a short, short stint of steroids. I think it was about three or four months. Um, you know, I don't, you know, I don't condone them. It's not something I try again, but obviously being a young lad, being naive, obviously knowing the side effects of these sort of things these days, I would never, ever touched them or even condoned them to anyone else but yeah i did did a bit of that um to try and increase what i was doing you know muscle size muscle strength etc didn't have a clue what i was doing to be honest i know how dangerous you are these days wow um, i mean that's that's awesome i mean i think it's straight away you know i'm seeing how transparent you are and like i think it's quite relatable especially the journey you've been on i was similar in a sense that i was alcohol and smoking and really had no kind of nothing going on in my life then I discovered training and you know 13 years later here I am um so it's such a positive thing that fitness and exercise you also said you dabbled in some MMA off air yeah well I've done I've done some like um not MMA but I've done some some tie boxing uh I've done some boxing and uh, when I say I mean not to a, not to yeah again not to a competitive level more for the enjoyment and the fun of it more for the training and the highs you get from when you do that sort of, you know, physical training. You know, I, I mean, I don't, I'm not saying, I don't know. You've obviously done some form of cardio in your life or other. I mean, I'm not saying, you might not be a big fan of it, but when you do cardio, it's a different buzz you get off cardio. When you finish a session, if you've been for a jog or you've done a circuit training, the buzz you get off that when you finish is different to when you've done a weight session. So the highs you get off that sort of um, training or bag work, um, the boxing side of things, the sparring, or tie boxing, it's always for that buzz, buzz of it basically, and then another thing, everything all all led to the same goal of staying in decent shape, being in decent shape, getting in decent shape, and it all had the same byproduct. I always managed to stay lean. I mean, I think I've been overweight once in my life when I was about 23. I think it was shortly after injuring my lower back. Shortly after injuring my lower back, and then um, what happened then was I took about a year out of training, and that then I got to I think I put on two and a half stone. Yeah, and that was just maybe the behaviours around not being able to train. So you were saying about um, putting on two and a half stone? Yeah, I put on two and a half stone because when I was, wasn't was training, um, I discovered a newfound um, love for eating chocolate every night and crisps every night and ice cream every night, Bombay mix. I went through a period uh, 
for quite a period of time and I was packing the weight on. I never noticed, noticed really that I was packing that weight on until one day I thought, what's going on here? I have got so heavy. Um, and then again, I, start, I got into a, a, a serious point of circuit training, running, circuit training, running. And before I know it, the weight just dropped off again because, because the amount I was training, um, I was definitely burning more than I was eating over the periods of time anyway. So I managed to drop all the weight off. I went up to about 13 stone nine. I dropped down to about 11 stone. And then um, I started and then I discovered the um, bodybuilding side of things in my early 20s. And I got quite serious into it for a while. But it's the same form of training that I still enjoy till this very day. I mean, I'm not, I'm not a big lad, but I'm like 12 stone. I'd enjoy the training, enjoy to be in shape. I've been, I've been much heavier, much lighter, in all different shapes and sizes, to be honest with you. I just love training. I think that's one of the most important things around like um, training and lifestyle is making it enjoyable and you don't have to kind of fit within one bracket. You've tried a lot of stuff and you enjoy a variety of training modalities. Yeah, I think that, um, you know, obviously and it, being obsessive with anything isn't good, especially if it affects the people around you. Obviously, we all have a life outside of our training. Obviously, at some point, you've probably been through points in your life where training seems to be the most important thing in the world, um, all for you. But it can be, I mean, bodybuilding things for some people can be quite a selfish sport. Um, it depends on the individual, suppose, and I'll seriously take it. But um, obviously, when I was training them days, life was all about me. Obviously, these days, uh, I've got a family, got a little boy and that. And uh, I kind of try and fit my gym in around real life because it's more about the health than anything the longevity just being around a lot longer just generally looking after my health as opposed to i don't have any goals like i used to have but now i just want to be healthy and be in good shape and continue the training because obviously not only physically it works for me physically and mentally for physical and my mental health is you know it's improved with the training that i do currently awesome so you're currently working um like a nine or five what's the kind of the long-term goal do you think well, I mean, I've, wor I've worked in the fitness industry before. Um, I've done done personal training. I've done a lot of um, personal training. On the, done, I've done some boot camps. I've done um, training in people's back gardens. Uh, you know, the generals, you know, around the area helping people. But more sort of the boot camp side of things. And so the occasional one-to-ones. And um, so obviously I've got my personal training and I've got my sports nutrition behind me. But at some point I had quite a bit of a drop in my mental health. So I had a, a, quite a... a a bad point in my mental health at one point so I kind of stepped away from the uh, personal training for a while and uh, got myself into you know a, a new structure with a new job temporarily I mean at some point um, I'm working towards I mean I was thinking of just going into the nutrition side of things but to be honest with you I'm probably going to end up going back into the fitness stroke and the nutrition um, a bit like yourself you're like, you, you know you run the establishment, uh, I think, with your business partner. Yeah. And you run that. So I'm thinking of that eventually. I'm probably going to end up going back to what I used to enjoy, the personal training side of things, because my knowledge in terms of personal training and the knowledge that I've gained since I was in my late teens, you know, obviously I've had to relearn lots of things, as you do. You learn a lot of things like, the, you know, the bro science, the bro ways, and they're not always the correct ways. So I've had to relearn if you're always really willing to relearn things, if you find out what you've learned is wrong, that's fine. As long as that in the end you get the correct the correct method and you learn the correct ways, um, especially with, with science involved and things like that. So I'll end up going probably back into um, 
I'm aiming to go back into the personal training side of things using my Mac Nutrition University sort of nutrition qualification as part of that, as opposed to separate. I think I'm going to combine the two. I might run them separately slightly at first, start doing the nutrition again, you know, online at the moment um, pretty soon, and then just kind of mold the two together, to be honest with you. Yeah. Because I can't see my, I don't, I don't, I'm not doing it the Mac Nutrition University course for no no reason. There's definitely a reason at the end of it. And this is why I've invested in this because obviously as anything in life, you invest yourself in something, it's always for a reason and it's a large investment. What I'm doing now, my job, is uh, it's not only structure and routine, it's paying the bills and which is the, one of the reasons why we work as well as, you know, normally we try and get a job that we enjoy. Uh, at the moment, I don't, you know, I'm not saying I, I don't hate my job. I mean, some, I've got some nice colleagues in there that I get on with. You know, it passes the time of day, but it pays the bills, it's structure and routine. I'm doing this for now, but I won't be doing it forever. I don't see myself doing it in the future, put it that way. Oh, well, if, if anyone's listening from that job, Jim, James loves it. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah I'm, I'm the same as far as, like, the bread and butter side of it. It's trying to, like, show people that, you know, nutrition, especially you mentioned, again, off air, that you're going to be hopefully focusing on working with more kind of general average Joe and Jane? Yeah, ideally, yeah. I mean, to start with, at the very least, I mean, I, I want I want to eventually work with everyone, but I think for me, I don't want to, um, you know, narrow it too much. I think that, you know, you, you average person out there that wants to lose the weight, your everyday person that's, you know, going to, you know, your normal jobs like myself um, with the knowledge that I have and which I'm going to gain, I want to help, you know, Everybody that I can help, everybody needs help to help educate people so that they don't have to, you know, keep going through the same pattern over and over again. There's a yo-yo dieting, you know, losing weight with the fad diets, putting it back on when they come off the fad diets because they've not learned anything and it's unsustainable. They can't continue to do what they're doing forever. You know what I mean? Shakes, you can't live off shakes. Why would we want to live off shakes? I mean, we've, we, we, we're, we're born to be able to eat, you know. So if we eat our food, that's why we have teeth. You know, we don't want to be living off shakes. You know, that may be a temporary measure. You might have one or two shakes and a meal, and that, but it all boils down to the same thing, doesn't it? You know, the energy restriction and that at the end of the day, it's, it's just not normal. It's people learn these things and then they give them up because they've lost the weight and then they go back to their old ways and all they do is put all the weight back on and then some extra weight on top of that, but they've not learned anything. So they're not getting help from the things that they are doing. Yeah, you mentioned like working with kind of the general population and Definitely. realistically that's kind of makes up probably about 95% of the market and you know these more niche stuff like bodybuilding prep is very few and far between on a population level I think. Yeah, I mean it, it does because I, I go to the gym and I see people training and I hear you know Brenda and Susan talking amongst themselves, use that example names. Brenda and Susan yapping away and hear them talking about stuff. Yeah, I was reading this in this magazine and this is supposed to do this. And if you do this, and I'm thinking, what are they really talking about? They read something in the magazine, doesn't make no sense. It sounds quite dangerous to what, what, what they're talking about. And I think, where are these people getting this information from? They're reading information in like, you know, TV guides and things like that, you know, Women's Weekly and these sort of magazines that are putting out, even some of the newspapers, they put out some trash in, in terms of diet and health. I think it's uh, the Daily Mail and things like that put some rubbish in them. And I'll read them and, and some, they're so cringy. Some of the things that they say, I think, how can you even have these, you know, if I could get some of the things that I could talk about printed, 
you know, it'd be a lot more useful than half the rubbish that goes in like the Daily Mail and things like that about health and nutrition. You know, and these are generally media sources, same with documentaries on like BBC and Netflix, and these tend to be their source of inf- nutritional information and they come in saying like cigarettes, you know, eating eggs is like smoking five cigarettes and things like that. Yeah, I mean, I didn't, some of these, I mean, I've watched a lot of these documentaries myself. I mean, up until I um, discovered Martin McDonald, obviously, owner of the uh, MNU organization, before I discovered him, I actually discovered him by accident a few years ago. And I've actually followed him on Instagram for a very long time now, as I've always, always been considering the course for a long time. And then I made the investment. Before I discovered Martin, though, I used to watch some of these documentaries myself and believe some of the things, because I used to think, well, because it's on BBC or because it's on Netflix, they've paid a lot of money to have it all filmed and put together. You know, maybe maybe this some of this is probably quite true. But you know, on 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 discovering mine and then learning a lot more over the past few years, I think so much of this rubbish they put on telly is it, it is rubbish. That's what it is. It's like ninety five percent pure and utter rubbish. But people watch these things, and because people watch a lot of telly. And they don't get their information from anywhere else specifically. You know, like we, we can we can look on some of the websites, you know, like PubMed and things like that. Um, but people watch things on BBC and they get information like, oh, you know, carbs are bad. Don't eat carbs after such and such a time at night time. Don't eat this. Don't eat that. This is bad for you. That's bad for you. You know, scaring people away from almost every type of food that they enjoy at the end of the day. And obviously diet is all about flexibility. I mean, me personally, I'll eat what I want. When I want, at the end of the day, I'm not. I don't, you know, abuse it. If I want to, if I, I'll have a pizza, I'll have chips, I'll have what, whatever I want. At the end of the day, I'm quite physical. Even though I've got a sedentary job, obviously, you know, me and you know what sedentary means. But sedentary meaning I'm practically doing nothing. I'm sat on my backside all day. But generally, I do a lot of walking. So I go for a walk. Walk on my uh, my dinner, my dinner hour. I'm dinner forty minutes. Go for a walk for about 20, 25 minutes. You know, I get off the tram a couple of stops early going to work and walk around to work and same in reverse um you know and i go to the gym and i actually don't actually eat that much to be honest with you when i when i when i work out i mean don't get me wrong there has been times when i've gone through probably like yourself calorie counting etc but that's one of my other biases that i have myself yeah most most people tend to have this bias towards calorie counting. Do you track uh, your calories at the moment or is that something you'll do as and when appropriate as and when appropriate to be honest with you yeah i got a bit obsessive with that at one point and um so i don't do that at the moment but let's say if i'm looking when, when the weather's getting nice i'm looking to trim up a little bit i tend to do you know a few weeks tracking with you know example of like my fitness pal or something like that bit of basic tracking um pretty much tracking everything that i eat or drink i mean when i say we're drinking i only really drink zero calorie drinks anyway um any i've probably not drank something that's not a diet drink in terms of fizzy drinks for years. I've always enjoyed the zero calorie or the diet drinks for years, and it's just habitual now. I won't even drink a normal can of Coke or a normal bottle of Coke. I mean, that's just normal to me now. Someone offered me a bottle of Coke at work. I went, no, no, it's not diet. And they went, what difference does it make? I said, to be honest, if I'm going to consume calories, I'd rather have it with food instead of wasting it. I I was gutted the other day, ordered a Domino's and they sent full fat Coke instead of the Coke Zero ordered. You're already having loads with your pizzas, you mean? So to me, I don't want to like, you know, take the mick and add, add, you know, another another cup of hundred, another few hundred with a drink. I, you know, I'd rather eat more food at the end of the day. But yeah, that's habitual, isn't it? I don't, 
I can't be drinking something that's not that, that, and that's just something learning over the years. Anything that I can I can have that's generally quite low calories, even if it's zero calories, that's even better because I can have more of it. You know what I mean? If I want to enjoy it, I can have I, infinite amounts. <laughs> I don't track at the moment, but I have tracked calories, and obviously it's something. One of my personal biases: if I'm helping someone, I will get them to track calories, but if I see them becoming obsessive with it, I will pull them away from that. I mean, to be honest with you, it's not something I'd keep people on, but it's not 100% accurate, but it's, it is one of the most accurate ways. But there are other ways that some people be, can become quite obsessive with it, with it and it, it does cause problems because they think they can't socialize, they can't go out for meals, how they're going to track it, how they're going to do this, that, and the other. You know, people don't have to track 100% of the time, but they have to have a rough idea of what's going in. There's many ways when you're eating out how to sort of basically track without having to take your scales to the restaurant and you know start weighing your amounts and that missing out on the treats and stuff like that at the end of the day it's people people <clears> lose <throat> social lives when they get overly obsessive with something uh, towards the health but if it affects affects you know remember when we did the, the 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 six points i can't remember what they all were now the six points of health the six facets of health yes i don't remember them all off the top of my head unfortunately but obviously there's all different parts of that so you've got the mental health the social health um, all the different aspects but that's the thing people start getting into um, training lifestyles and trying to get a better health but if they get obsessive with something in my mind it spoils it because it affects their social life and their family life and time one thing you can never get back is time so if, you, if it's affecting your time with your family that's not a good thing if you can't go out and eat with the family because you're you know, you're stressed about what can you eat, how are you going to track it? Because, you know, not every single restaurant you can probably, uh, majority of restaurants you can probably check how many calories things are if you plan ahead online, what you're going to choose when you get there, such as Nando's and things like that. But there are some that you can't. But it's if it's going to wreck your life in general, being obsessive with calorie counting, it's not a good thing. But there are many, many methods, but they all have the same principle when it comes to, if we're talking about weight loss, for example. Yeah, and this is what I'll tell people, you know, there's more to food than calories and macros. Um, and it, to be fair, what typically does make up a healthy diet, I suppose, is, you know, more the habitual and behavioral aspects of it, not necessarily the um, what makes up the diet. And as you mentioned, you have this kind of mindset where you've got ultimate flexibility within your nutrition. And I think that's what truly makes a successful diet over the long term. Yeah, I mean, it's, the, it's the, what you're doing is if you've got a routine and a structure with your eating, I mean, it doesn't have to be obsessive, but, you know, obviously I'll, 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 eat, I'll nearly always eat, you know, my breakfast, my lunch, my main meal, fairly the same time every day. So I'm pretty consistent with it, you know, with the times, although it doesn't entirely matter when I eat my meals, but I'm consistent with that. So for me, that works. So whatever you do, if it works for you, it's, it's more about if it works for you. Um, you know, it's about the adherence of what you're doing and what's personal to you. If it works for you, do it. You know, if I, if I didn't want to eat breakfast because I wasn't hungry, I wouldn't eat breakfast. But if I don't eat breakfast, it's not going to make me stuff my face for the rest of the day. I'm actually fine because I've done, you know, in the past I've, experimented with uh, intermittent fasting as you probably have yourself yes. you know when I used to think that was one good way of keeping you know burning off the body fat etc you know all these different methods I've tried I can literally you know ha go to bed go to bed at night time literally not not eat until two three o'clock in the afternoon no problem literally no problem I could even go and do a weight session in the morning 
and still not eat till two, three o'clock in the afternoon. But I'd still get the remain. I'd still get all the calories that I want for the rest of the day until bed. After that, it's not a problem. Like people, you know, people saying breakfast is the most important meal of the day. It's not. There's no most important meal at the end of the day. If you don't eat breakfast, that's fine. Don't eat breakfast. If that's how you live your lifestyle, you don't like eating breakfast, don't eat it the end of the day your breakfast really is just breaking a fast that's why it's called break fast to breakfast you're breaking a fast from the evening because your body's been fasting all night whatever your first meal is that's that's your breakfast anyway whether it be, that be your lunch at 12 1 2 o'clock but um it's not important for someone to get up and eat their breakfast before they go to work if that's not what they normally do don't feel like you must do that because it's not the most important meal of the day yeah, and this brings us kind of nicely on to uh, this week's module, which was on meal timing and frequency. And I did want to kind of spend a little bit um, bit of time on this because I think it is an interesting sort of uh, topic that a lot of people are confused over. You know, they think that eating, and even I've said this in the past, that eating little and often will stoke the metabolism and even like compared it to like a train putting on you know, fuel at several intervals versus one lump at a time. You know, what's what's been your thoughts on that in the past? Well, exactly what you just said. I've been the same. I've been the same. I, I, I've been through stages of just consistently eating throughout the day, eating, 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 because, um, you know, I'm doing weight training and wanting to put muscle on and things like that. I've just, I've told people, even people that are, um, you know, we're trying to get someone into calorie deficit for losing weight. I'm telling to eat like, you know, still stick with your calories but try and split them up more so you can have little snacks, mini snacks and that and just keep eating throughout the day. I've said similar things myself, it stokes your metabolism and all that. Obviously, over time, I've recently discovered that it's not correct. Not if you're talking about fat loss or weight maintenance, it's not correct. It doesn't matter whether you have, you know, one meal, three meals, six meals, Obviously, we're talking about weight loss or well, I'm talking about weight loss, weight maintenance. At the end of the day, it's all about the calories, you know, your calorie input versus your calorie output. So if you, if you, if you, if you did, obviously, you wouldn't have a whole day's of calories in one meal. But if you, if you could, if you could possibly eat that much, then that one meal versus, you know, three, four, five, six, the same amount of calories. For weight loss and the weight maintenance, it's not going to make a difference as long as you're sticking, you're adhering to your calorie goal. That you've that you've that you've had set, it doesn't make a difference for that. Um, so that's that's the main thing. It's all about the calories. So you can split them up over time throughout the day, and that's it. Yeah, and, and this is the thing. Like when I was originally a broad bodybuilder, I went from eating eight meals per day, and you can imagine that was spaced out two hours apart, and they were just pretty unfulfilling meals of still trying to meet the same caloric requirement that now I put into three four meals across the day yeah yeah i mean I've, I, I it's just something that i don't know where i learned it off i think it's probably the uh you know the bro science you learn a lot of things over the years if you're following bodybuilding i mean i think when i was in my 20s i used to get the i used to subscribe to flex magazine and i used to read all the stuff in flex that the pro bodybuilders used to say years ago and you know and i still have a lot of people acquaintances that are into the bodybuilding now that still believe a lot of that stuff um, but it's not specifically that stuff that they're doing that's getting them, you know, the goals that they're getting to. It's, you know, lots of things connected to that. There's so many different things, um, so many different variables. When people think, yeah, I'm doing this because such and such said this, but they're not just doing that, they're doing lots of other things. And that's all these things combined are getting them the results they want, not 
really the bro science things that they're doing because some things are proven to not have the results that people think it gives you you know such as for weight loss you know your meal frequency timing how many meals a day because we all know for weight loss and weight maintenance it's all about the calories at the end of the day if you're not in a calorie deficit um when you're trying to lose weight if you're not burning off more calories than you're eating over periods of time there's no way you're going to be losing the weight especially if you're in a surplus yeah so little and often doesn't stalk the metabolism it doesn't uh, lead to greater rates of fat loss if calories are equated we can nip that one in the bud straight away right now and I, and I think like yourself i have probably created a little bit of a love and a bias towards intermittent fasting but i kind of do more of a protein modified fast yeah. because i'm still considerate that i want to gain muscle um so this is maybe where like eating times might be more beneficial for people yeah i mean for myself that's another one another uh, past love of mine intermittent fasting um kind of i did get i did get good results with that and obviously obviously as i learned later time the reason was uh, for me i was doing it for weight loss and obviously when i was eating really couldn't eat as much as i needed to eat anyway i was struggling to eat, take so many calories in with with actual meals as opposed to um you know high calorie things like peanut butter and things i was just i was in a calorie deficit um when i was intermittent fasting but i was doing it really long ones and the time I was eating, I wasn't able to get that much food in, to be honest with you. It was kind of, the weight was dropping off because I was in a massive calorie deficit over over the time I was doing it. But I used to really enjoy it. I used to enjoy that feeling of being hungry and actually looking forward to having the first bite to eat and stuff and preparing it and looking forward to sitting down. It's a bit like a ritual. It was nice for me at the time. That's another bias of mine as well. Intermittent fasting, uh, calorie counting. But these are my own things that I've done. I wouldn't push these onto other people because I know they're not necessary. Yeah, and the way I see intermittent fasting, I see it as a, a tool and a pretty useful tool, especially, you know, this time of year when we're recording, it's nigh on nearly Christmas. And it's something that I'll be utilising just to kind of, as far as damage limitations concerned, I'm not asked about my weight but to a certain degree i am as well yeah i mean for me i've i've got so many different habits that help keep me in shape without even realizing i mean saturday and sunday morning i don't eat breakfast i get up and i don't really eat till about lunchtime so i'm not i'm not saturdays and sundays i'm not consuming as many calories as would on a normal day anyway um sometimes i don't take any lunch into work on a friday i'll get a little snack from a shop um, I might not eat as much on a Friday. Don't eat breakfast on a Saturday and Sunday. So throughout the week, I'm, I'm, I, you know, I'm probably in a calorie deficit anyway, without even realising it. Not that I'm aiming to be. I'm not, you know, thinking otherwise because my goals at the moment, I'm just, I'm just looking to stay in shape and enjoy my weight training that I'm doing at the moment. I'm not looking to compete or anything like that. I'm just your everyday um, man from Manchester, wanting to be in decent shape and first and foremost wanting to look after the health of myself because I've got a boy who's nearly five years old. I'm nearly 40 and I want to be around for a long time because by the time he's a teenager, I'll be knocking on in my 50s. Yeah, and I think, to be fair, being fit at 50 isn't that uncommon these days, though. No, I know, but when you've got when you've got like a young lad... I'm there gonna, he is. I'll be, taking, I'll be taking him to the gym at some point and when he's older. So I want to be able... I hope I'll be able to not only teach him things, but I don't want him to bypass me at some point. You know what I mean? In terms of training and stuff like that. But I, um, I really love training. Just It's one of the things that... I mean, like, for example, last night, I was probably in there till half 12. People say, 
Uh, people message me saying, what are you doing in the gym at this time when I've put it on my Snapchat or my Insta? I'm like, I'm a nighttime person. Once my family's gone to bed, it's not interfering with family life. I can go train that. Or early in the morning, you know what I mean? Same thing. And I think this is a good thing, like your son, for example, and us, we've kind of been through the ringer as far as like yeah. myths are concerned. Um, whereas like now with such a, a social media presence and the science of nutrition and training really come to the forefront. Um, I think people these days have got it quite good, but at the same time, I wouldn't really change anything because I think that all of that trial and errors kind of led us to the where I want to be. I mean, I think I think for doing the course, I think some of the things it's nice to know when you're doing it. There's probably a lot of things where you think, do you know what? I'm, I'm you know, I didn't realise I'm actually right. I'm correct with that. I knew that already. I knew that, and it's, it's amazing how much knowledge you've probably obtained over the years. And I know a lot of it's correct. Obviously, following Martin as well, you've learned a lot of stuff before doing the course. But the, the, I'm, I'm just, I'm just loving this, man. Especially this, this meal time in um, the frequency. Obviously, there was quite a lot on that. I really, really enjoyed that one. I've not done my, my homework for it yet, but I've, I've, I'm halfway through it before I post it up. Essentially, this is the homework, Jay. With James, we've done it. Yeah, that's fine. I've done a lot of things <laughs> online as well because I've just started a page um, on Facebook. I've not been as active online recently because I've had a bit going on in my life in terms of you know real life outside of all this. But it's uh, I've, I've, obviously I've got my Instagram, uh, Jay the Fit Nutritionist, and I've now started a Facebook page, Jay the Fit Nutritionist Manchester. Um, so I'm kind of getting these up and running but just a bit out of time for now I'm not, I'm not caning them at the moment because he's just finding the time because getting the time into you know around sort of family life work life and studying i'm managing to study all the time getting a good few hours of studying a week plus outside of this i do a lot of reading up as well i'm um, loving that pubmed and things like that or anything by brad schoenfeld you know meta-analysis from himself these sort of things these are the sort of guys that i follow on instagram honestly right um, I've, 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 I've kind of unfollowed a lot of people that are kind of not evidence-based because too much rubbish comes up on the news feed. Well, what I these days consider rubbish, although I do like some of the people. I mean, in, in terms of just Brad Schoenfeld and uh, James Krieger and people are. I know you've had James Krieger. Was it James Krieger on one of your podcasts? Yeah, yeah. yes, yeah. You know, people are. These, these guys are legends in terms of knowledge and, and what they know. I love listening to people like this. You know, I, prob I probably won't ever be as far as them in life, but, you know, I'm learning a lot from these guys and I'll continue to forever. I think these guys who are up there are like kind of, they're at the forefront of the uh, the scientific uh, data and they feed it down to people like us and then we'll typically feed it down to people, yeah. you know, that are in the general population level, which I think, like, I'm like yourself, I'll never be clever enough to be doing that sort of stuff and you know them guys are doing a, an absolutely awesome job if we just circle it back around to breakfast why do you think breakfast's kind of um got all of this attention of being for example the most important meal of the day i mean I, I'm, not, I'm not sure how it originated to be the most important meal of the day I, I mean i've seen i've seen things i think there was a study done and um i believe you know one of the studies was done by uh kellogg's funnily yes. enough Kellogg's, which is a factory just around the corner from my house, it's massive. It's absolutely massive. So, it, you know, they've been going for a long time. I think they're, but I think it's 90 years now they've been going Kellogg's. They had a banner up there, 90 years, something like that. So, um, it's huge. So, I think one of the studies was done by Kellogg's, 
which is you know what do they how do they run their business what that, that business is it sells breakfast cereal that was one of the studies they did a study it was um, either done by Kellogg's or sponsored by Kellogg's and is it inevitable that the outcome of that study was breakfast being the most important meal of the day um, but why what 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 do people think that makes it the most important meal of the day? Me, I don't know. To be honest, if I'm not hungry, I'm not going to eat, to be honest. Yeah. If I wake up in the morning, I don't want breakfast. I want breakfast. I might take breakfast to work with me and eat at midday. You know what I mean? And I think a lot of these companies do promote essentially like sometimes like almost cardboard for breakfast, you know, and the, they put these health claims on it like whole grain, high in fibre. Even protein breakfast cereals seem to be doing the rounds these days. Yes, yeah, so that's that's that, I noticed that. So it's basically yeah. What what's it called? The halo, the halo, um, the health halo, the health halo. So you see something in the shop, all of a sudden they've wrote protein on it. They've wrote protein on this, protein on that. You know, it's proteins getting written on everything now. It makes me pick it up to see how actually how much protein's in it. Because if it's a good, if it's good macros, if it's got good amount of protein in it for the amount of calories. I'll probably get it for the protein value. Obviously, it's not the best form of protein they're putting in it because obviously, like you know, your dairy, your dairy type products and your um, animal products are normally the, the best type of protein. But I'll look at the macros and things, and you think well, it's not. Actually, you look at most of these things; they're not actually high protein. You look at them and you see how much per serving or per hundred gram. You think that's ridiculous. That's so low. How can you even write high protein on the front of the box or something? So you've got all these things. Um, they're adding vitamins and minerals into things. To you know the the health halo, they're putting their high protein bars, high protein cereal, and it's making people these days like myself even. I don't it doesn't make me buy them. It makes me check how much protein's in them when I see that. It's quite laughable to be honest how much protein they're they're stating as high protein, but it's making so many people because people believe I've heard you know high protein get a lot of protein in your diet, and and the food companies are aware of this. They're aware that people are aiming for high protein in their diets because they believe it's good for the health, etc. Which it is, but the, the 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 food companies are putting this on all the products or the latest products, and it's causing it's in their interest to get the products sold. It's marketing, isn't it? At the end yeah, of the day, yeah. and there's a lot of breakfast uh, foods out there, and at the end of the day, they want to people to to buy them, so they they're not really bothered about their the health. The more you know, lot, financially orientated unfortunately yeah. these companies are massive for a reason at the end of the day because they sell a lot of products if they're selling a lot of products it doesn't really matter to them about you know the people that are eating it as much as you know it's all about marketing getting the products on the shelves promoting them getting them sold at the end of the day um but you know, people people don't they, you know as we know ourselves there's no healthy foods and there's no no unhealthy foods there's only healthy and unhealthy diets at the end of the day yeah, majority when you see a majority of what people eat, not everybody eats all, you know, fast food or all what we call crappy foods. Not everybody eats like that. Some people actually eat quite decent diets and they could actually lose weight still eating the things that they eat with a few minor adjustments to make it easy for them. The small changes are the things that goes a long way, as opposed to making massive changes, which some people might not be able to do. They might not be able to sustain huge changes, although they might get great results if they can adhere to it but if people can't stick to something it's not worth doing yeah and i think when it comes to breakfast it should be typically based on personal preference like i like breakfast but i can also go without it and as we mentioned about intermittent fasting it's a tool that i use occasionally and um, as and when required in order to kind of be considerate of overall energy balance across that weekly average which 
generally is the most important thing, as you said, as far as weight loss is concerned. So it's kind of up to the individual. If we're like, um, you know, we're brought to our attention of a concept called carbohydrate bunching. Yeah, yeah, that was interesting. Yeah. And that's something that, you know, I've kind of done um, because I am a, I like carbohydrates around the training window. So like pre and post um, training. Um, So it's something that I've kind of been doing without necessarily thinking that it was necessarily a great thing. So did you, do you, you don't, you don't have a name for it. You did like, obviously Martin's come up with this name and he said carbohydrate bunching. Did you call it anything or are you just having your carbs after your workout and things uh, like that? Just, it was just, you know, peri workout nutrition, yeah. I guess, you know, so I, a couple hours before training, big carb meal, post training, you know, we had introduced to the concepts of glute four transporters that shuttle yeah. carbohydrates into the muscles. So as a bodybuilder, you know, or somebody who's, looking to optimize the potential hypertrophy of training i want to kind of leave no stone unturned i guess and it was just kind of me seeking optimization in my own structured pattern i suppose but i mean obviously for yourself the way the way you do things i mean in terms of like certain things would probably be more beneficial for the likes of bodybuilders or you know more so elite athletes um as for the general population it wouldn't really make a major difference because the the differences for the I believe for the general population, the average Joe public who's you know whatever their goals may be, it would only be um, of minor benefit to them. N- nothing major. It's just like you say, it's whatever that whatever whatever they can adhere to, whatever fits them and their lifestyle. But I mean, I don't specifically think when I eat my carbs throughout the day. I mean, normally I wake up a huge bowl of porridge in the morning with some fruit on top of it, a bit of cinnamon maybe, maybe even a bit of sugar, normal kitchen sugar or whatever, very rarely more, cinnamon and strawberries, blueberries and that on it. A massive bowl of porridge in the morning with milk, full fat milk, um, I like that. Some mornings I think I don't fancy porridge today, like today I, I had um, a huge bowl of cocoa pops, because <laughs> I do like kids cereal, I like chocolatey cereal, I like chocolate, I'm only human, so I had a massive bowl of cocoa pops, but I do normally always eat breakfast, apart from weekends. I wake up and don't feel hungry at weekends. But, um, I mean, I understand what you're saying. I, 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 was, I was interested. I found that, that part of the module very interesting on why the whites of the carbohydrate bunch of carbs in the morning or mostly all your carbs in the evening or whatever, you know, and periods without carbs. Just many different methods of trying different weights. Maybe. Yeah, I mean... Um... Yeah, I think it's one of them things where for the most important um, part of nutrition, overall adherence is key. Um, And I think as far as I'm concerned, carbohydrate intake, if I'm training a muscle group, for example, I'm probably not going to be training that muscle group again for a few days. So any glycogen I have depleted is obviously going to be restored within that muscle group by the next time I've trained it. But it's just maybe for that potential acute um part of the the daily um of the the circadian rhythm i guess uh, after that training window but for as you said for the most part for normal people what i want to try and get across is like you said nutrition is really simplistic and we want to try and make things as simplistic as they need to be especially for the general population which it's already a kind of confusing industry for them in the first place and we don't want to add fuel to the fire 
yeah, definitely. Don't want, we don't want to confuse things. I mean, obviously, the the higher up you go in terms of uh, whoever you follow, you know, they, I mean, they try and simplify things, but some of the some of the wording can be a bit confusing for people. Or you know, when the reads like if we read, we've been shown. I mean, I don't know if you knew beforehand, but obviously we've been taught um, how to read studies. Um, you know, how to go through studies. You know, on PubMed and things like that. How to sort of make certain things invisible so it's easy to read it's easy to flow free F- flow freely you know you can kind of imagine the numbers are not there and the markers you know measurements are not there and you can read through it easier as if it's a script because people get caught up and stopping themselves like the sums and stuff in like studies when they're reading through the words it's in like martin was saying if you kind of for the moment imagine that then the measurements and the numbers are not there and just read through just the words it's so much easier to get through. So obviously, we're trying to simplify it for people. Um, I hear people talking outside of the gym, inside the gym, and it just sounds so complicated. And and obviously, I'm not saying things are easy, but they're really not complicated, depending on their goals. Obviously, you have to work towards these things, depending on what the goals are. They're really not complicated, but they're definitely not easy because people have to put the work in and make the effort to do what they're doing. You know, But there's no rush to do anything because if, if it's just... If someone's gained a lot of weight and they want to lose it, they didn't gain it overnight. They can't look at losing it overnight. It needs to be a lengthy process. It's better. You know, sometimes a, a large weight loss at the start can be quite good for some people because it gives them that motivation because they're seeing results. But, you know, it depends on how much of a calorie deficit people can sit in for a while. Yeah, well, this is what I'll tell people about, like, dieting for competitions or photo shooters. It's just fat loss taken a lot further. You know, there's nothing magical i don't there's no specific magic foods that i incorporate into my diet to get them shreds i suppose it's just kind of continuing on with that process but taking it to a a lot uh, further of a, a level and which often does take me to a place of an unhealthy level and it's getting people away from the thoughts that being this aesthetically lean is good yeah, no, but because I mean, the bodybuilders that I know, obviously, I've not been around yourself, um, Ian, when you've sort of been prepping for shows or anything like that. I mean, they, they, they you know, although a lot of them don't admit, they feel absolutely rubbish. Yes. When they're like a few days out from a show, they feel rubbish. They're miserable. They're starving, you know. But close to the show, they're, they're depleted of fluids. The water levels are right down because, you know, they've flushed out as much fluid as they can from under the skin, etc. They're almost dehydrated. They're up, some some bodybuilders are almost almost at the ill stage time they get up on because they want to look that you know they're sh- most shredded they don't feel their best but as soon as they, they they've had a competition they start eating again you know they start to feel amazing it's like it's like when people have like it's kind of like when people have a diet break you know people are doing whatever with the calories for a while they're strict if they're in a calorie deficit and then they maybe they might have a week at maintenance or above maintenance just for a week and and they sort of they relax, they feel less stressed, they've come off the program for a little short while and then gone back on it, and then all of a sudden the results are just they zapping, and it's like, it's because you've, you know, you've had a chance to relax, you've not been stressed out, you've, you've had a moment of eating, you know, in your maintenance or in your sort of a surplus for a week or whatever, eating what you want for a few days, pretty much, but not, not, not too much on the calorie side of things, but it's getting a chance to relax. I think for, yeah, that's, it's, it's interesting, it's interesting, I mean, I see people, how they get the, they get so low down on their body weight, the body fat levels, and the vascularity everywhere is just, it's just unreal. But I, I see how much work goes into that. I mean, it's not for me, 
Although I have I have friends and acquaintances that do these things, and I think it's awesome. They look amazing. I mean, in terms of what how they want to look, they look awesome. It's not the look for me, but they look fantastic in terms of what they what they're aiming for. You know, they look awesome when they get on stage. And I think people need to remember it's such a short term window of a lifestyle, and I spend the majority of that of being in a wanting to be a healthy normal person because, like you, I've got family and a a life outside of the gym, which. You know, in the past, I have um, sacrificed, I would say, um, whereas now it's about having a more balanced approach. And this is where we want to show people that you can be fit and healthy and um, essentially eat what you want. Yeah, definitely. You can eat what you want. You don't need to, I mean, you can have, you can enjoy your chocolate. You can enjoy a bit of wine and a bit of beer, whatever. You don't have to sit down and eat 10 bars of chocolate. You don't have to sit down and have for them twenty pints or two bottles of wine. It's about being sensible, you know. Yeah, if you're going to go out and have a, have have a few drinks and get drunk, fine. Enjoy it. You've, you've only got one life. Enjoy it. Live it. Have fun with your friends. Have fun with your family. You want to go out when you want to go out. Enjoy it. It's just about finding the balance. You know what's important to people. If people are trying to lose weight, it doesn't mean they can't have a life. At the end of the day, it's just about being sensible. You you don't need to have. You just don't need to pig out on everything at the end of the day. Find a balance. Yes, you can lose weight by still eating chocolate. Yes, you can lose weight by still drinking some wine. Yes, you can lose weight by eating a lot. Everything you enjoy. But you don't need to eat far too much. If you're not if you're not physically you just need to eat slightly less. It's terms of oh getting that balance, getting the balance, you know, moving about as often as you can. You know, it's not always necessary for people to go to the gym to lose weight, although it helps. But it's about how active people are. If people are eating too much and not active enough, you know, as we, we learned about neat and that, that's been mentioned in some of your previous podcasts, people just need to move about a lot more and try and eat a bit less, basically. Yeah, it's it's a simple kind of, it's one of them overly simplified bits of advice, you know, eat more and move, sorry, eat less, move more, you know, but it's trying to kind of offer some, you know, context around that, I suppose. Before we uh, like end things, which I just want to kind of go on the last thing as far as meal timing is concerned. So, so far we've established breakfast isn't the most important meal of the day. You can eat it, you can't, it, as long as total calories are controlled. You know, some people do better with breakfast. It's a kind of trial and error. Um, eating little and often doesn't stoke the metabolism. The one thing that people I see struggle with is shift work. Oh, definitely, yeah, yeah. I mean, you you're currently as you run um, a fitness you no know, gym establishment, you'll you'll be working lots of different clients. You've probably got a few clients that do shift work, or even like lots of night shifts and things like that. Yeah, you know, I've got um, we've got nurses and things like that, and people who worked in factories that are open twenty four seven, and obviously shift work seems to be um, something that massively impacts their health weight um appetite um ability to get results as far as building muscle or fitness and things like that yeah i mean i think with also i think sleep's another big thing isn't it in terms of like you know, especially well diet in general sleeping if you're not if you if you sleep sleep has so much of an impact on um you know if you've got shift workers their their rhythm their rhythm and structure is all messed up to you know if, they, if they're sleeping and everyone else is awake and then everyone's asleep they're up there awake working and stuff like that and they've got all the the the, the eating patterns patterns are disordered 
they chop and change from time to time. I mean, ideally, it's nice to have a structure if you can, especially in terms of eating. If you've got like fairly you know, stable sort of eating times, don't have to be specific, but in terms of like eating at the usual time that you normally eat, as opposed to always changing around and, you know, it's just, it doesn't, it doesn't help because it, when you've got a bit of structure in your life, especially in terms of your eating and your lifestyle, it, it would be so much easier for people, but it's, people can't always have everything they want at the end of the day. It, we all, we all have to work to pay our bills. It's just some people end up on shift work and it's just unfortunate in a sense. And the health is somewhat sacrificed, unfortunately, and obviously the, you know, trying to do something that maybe isn't the best time for them if the work and shifts, you know, as you mentioned, sleep something that impacted. And I think there was things showing that there was decreased leptin, which is kind of an energy regulated stored in fat. Yeah. So in body fat. So typically if that's down, that means <coughs> appetite is increased, um, increased risk of obesity, which increased risks of like diabetes and uh, CVD and blood pressure and things like that yeah that's that's right obviously if, you, if your leptin's down you're not going to be feeling full like you should be at the end of the day you're, you're having a meal obviously if your leptin's going to be raised you should be feeling full from your meal um at the end of the day so obviously if your leptin's down your growing's probably going to be up so you're going to be hungry you're going to be eating you're probably beating maybe the wrong things or too much even at the end of the day but yeah it seems to be the the, the shift workers whose health is affected the most by there, you know, for lots of different reasons, like you just mentioned, but definitely the the unstable eating patterns and the some people the lack of sleep patterns, things like that. Yeah, the feedback after that uh, slide was for people to get a new job. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, got that. So practical application for that to to solve that problem, get a new job. Yeah, as simple as that. <laughs> I mean, I read, I looked recently. I, I read a recent thing recently. It's very interesting. So by Brad Schoenfeld. Uh, the study of the, the effects of meal frequency on weight loss and body composition. That was a meta-analysis, and that was a 2015 one, yeah. So Brad Schoenfield, and that was uh, very interesting. So that's a meta-analysis on the on similar thing to what we're talking about, but so much more in-depth. So, yeah, the effects of meal frequency on weight loss and body composition, and that was very, very interesting. But um, it's, uh, in terms of your, your weight loss or your weight maintenance, there's not it doesn't make a massive difference of you know when how how many times you eat your meals yeah the thing for the fat loss and weight maintenance as always is going to be you know your energy input the calories you're consuming i think my like a couple of take-homes for people would be maybe to start like for people to journal and get an idea of what really makes them tick, what they enjoy, when they like to eat their majority of the calories, when it makes them feel good surrounding if they do train, um, paying attention to how their calories in maybe influences their calories out, like you mentioned, neat, how active they are, like, um, yeah, and obviously again with shift work, that's probably going to be even more important to document these sort of trends. Yeah, because it's you know in the summary for module on the course is um, the sh obviously the shift work likely has the adverse health effects, but obviously more evidence is however needed um, in the future for that. But it's it's more than likely it does have the adverse health effects for yeah. the many reasons. I think but just anecdotally we can probably see you know even without the the studies scientifically seeing people 
who do them, you know, chronically fatigued, potentially overweight, um, and generally of lack of health. Definitely. And my, my biggest pet hate in, in terms of dieting, uh, on dieting for weight loss, um, is when people completely cut out the things they enjoy. And it, that to me, that isn't sustainable. If they can do that and they can adhere to that, fair play to them. But there's not, I love chocolate. I eat, honestly I eat chocolate every night, yeah? Why? Because I enjoy it. Is it going to hurt me? No. Uh, if I eat far too much, it probably will. But I enjoy chocolate every night. That's the one of the things that keeps me mentally sane is having a nice bit of chocolate. It's highly palatable. I enjoy it. It's the highly palatable foods that cause people to gain weight because they eat too much of them because they taste so nice. Yeah, well, there we go. We'll, we'll leave you with that bombshell. Um, James, if people want to find you, you mentioned you have Instagram and Facebook. Will you mention them again for us, please? Yes, yeah, so, so I'm, not, I'm not extremely active at the moment on social media. I've, 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 uh, I've got a new Instagram page, and that's um, Jay the Fit Nutritionist on Instagram. Feel free to uh, go and give that a like and um, get me on there. And also, I've just only just started a Facebook page. And that's Jay, the Fit Nutritionist, Manchester. So both have similar names. Jay, the Fit Nutritionist. Except Facebook one says Manchester on the end. Jay, Jay, the Fit Nutritionist. Yes, yeah, so it's Instagram and Facebook at the moment. No, um, even Snapchat as well. The Fit Nutritionist or Fit Nutritionist, I think it is. And eventually, I'll probably even I don't know how many people use Twitter these days. I may flick a Twitter on as well. But anyway, for now, it's just Facebook and Instagram. Yeah, well, what I'll do is link all them in. I just want to say a big thank you, James, um, and to all the listeners, because by the time this goes out, it'll be Christmas. So Merry Christmas, everyone, and we'll catch you next week. Happy Christmas, guys, and I hope you had a good one. Thank you, man. Best.